songs this morning, and I loved hearing the horns accompanying us. Thank you again for doing that. And kids' bells, they're, they're gone already, but that was fantastic. I recognized the songs. Wasn't that great? You knew what they were singing. Even without Mark singing along, we knew exactly those songs. So that was, uh, that was phenomenal. How many of you know and love the great Christmas hymn, Hakuna Matata? You don't know that one? It goes, Hakuna Matata, the Lord is come. Right? Let her receive her king. No, you don't know that one? What movie does that come from? The Lion King. The Lion King made a big comeback this year with a live or computer action version uh, after the animated one that we came to know and love for so many years. Who knows what Hakuna Matata means? No worries. It's an actual Swahili phrase that means don't worry about it. No worries. And Timon and Pumbaa, the most fun characters of the film, teach that to the young Lion King. They teach Simba to forget about his troubles, to just push them out of his mind and just think about the joy of being young and running around with friends. That lasts for a while, but eventually even that problem-free philosophy of life catches up with him and he realizes that there's more to life than just ignoring your troubles. Sometimes at Christmas, as we're celebrating the gifts, we're thinking about joy, we're thinking about hope, we're thinking about peace, and some of you may be saying, I'm having a hard time coming up with some joy. I'm having a hard time finding peace in my life right now or peace in the world with all that's going on. How do we find great joy? Well, it's proclaimed here in scriptures, and that's what I want to talk with you about this morning. It's not just ignoring your real life and pushing down all of the troubles, all of the worries, all of those things, and just saying, well, if I can just not think about them for a few weeks, then maybe I can enjoy the holiday season. If I can just avoid talking to that person who robs my joy, then maybe I can make it through the season. That's not what God has for us. He has for us something so much better. It's real joy. It's not just for a moment. It's not shallow. It's not temporary. It's permanent. It's eternal. The gift of joy given to us at this Advent season is deep and abiding joy. It's so powerful it can hold its own in a dark and hurting world. Not ignoring, but in the middle of our hurts, in the middle of our trials, our struggles. It's not something that you just have to throw aside your worries so that you can unwrap this gift of joy. Peter called it inexpressible. In First Peter, my page is moving faster than I am, One eight. Though you have not seen him, you love him. He's talking about Jesus Christ. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible. It's filled with glory and it obtains the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your soul. 
Over the last two weeks, we began this journey of the Advent season. We unwrapped the gifts of hope and of love. And we lit the candles of hope. We talked about hope past, hope present, and the hope for the future as we looked at the prophecies about Jesus coming and were challenged to look forward to the hope of his return. And then last week, we lit the candle of love. We talked about how we can accept how we can experience, and most importantly, how we can share the amazing love of God with the people around us. We recognize just how long, how deep, how wide that love is. And today, part of the Porpilia family was here to light the third candle, the candle of joy, the coming of the Savior. And again, this is more than just a temporary feeling. It's a joy that gives us reason to celebrate. It's deep, it's powerful, and it's the kind of rejoicing that we read about in the Psalms. Psalm 96, verses 11 to 13. Let the heavens be glad. Let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult in everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Before the Lord, for He comes. He comes to judge the earth. In Advent, we're preparing and expecting. Jesus is coming. Let's rejoice. Today, we unwrap the gift of joy. And as I said before, if you're feeling loneliness, if you're experiencing suffering, if there's an empty place at the table, someone that you're missing or that you've continued to miss, physical pain that the doctors just don't have answers for. An incredible busyness. This is supposed to be a time of family and it seems like we're so busy we can't sit down and enjoy family and friends. Maybe it's just a level of stress that you can't handle. All the things that you think you have to get done. Or maybe in the midst of everyone else flying around you, you're just bored. You've done your shopping. You've got school done. Work is done and there's nothing left but your phone. You're just bored. Let's look together at how we can find this joy. We're going to anticipate the joy. We're going to recognize the joy and then we're going to choose joy. Have you ever been waiting for something so long that you almost forgot it was coming? Maybe someone promised a gift and you just forgot about it. Or maybe it's something you didn't even know was on the way and it arrives and it brings you joy. Today we have Amazon Prime shipping, so we've kind of lost that experience of waiting for something because it's there like that, unless it's a big bag of dog food that rips along the way and it takes a month to get there. A little personal pain there, that's okay. <laughs> There are occasionally mistakes in the postal department. The delivery trucks do have flat tires. The dog bag rips and it doesn't get delivered. A few years ago, there was an 80-year-old woman in France who received a letter in the mail that was sent to her great-grandfather and the postal service wanted to follow through and deliver it. It was mailed in 1877, 138 years later, just a few years ago, this letter was delivered to a great-granddaughter for her great-grandfather's spinning meal, spinning mill. It was an order of yarn, 
and he never got the letter, but she did all those years later. That didn't necessarily bring her joy, but it certainly was a connection to her past and maybe someone she had obviously never met from 130 years ago. There was another recent late mail delivery that was in the Washington Post just a few years ago. It was a letter that reached its intended recipient 14 years after being sent. It was written by a father in India to his son who was living in New York City. It was a handwritten note a few short weeks after 9-11. Here was a dad wondering if his son and family were okay. And so he jotted off a note to them, checking up on them, letting them know he was thinking about them. And it showed up in 2014. Many years later, the father had already passed away. And here's a letter addressed in his father's hand to him. And he's wondering, what could this possibly be? The son was flooded with a deep reminder and a deep connection with his father. Tears flooded his eyes as he held the letter, this physical object that connected him to his father. It expressed the concerns about their family, about the events of this tragic time. And in this article, the son wrote, 14 years is a long time to wait for a letter, but rarely has one been more welcome. The expression of concern in the letter is sadly still relevant today. But the physical letter itself was a real joy to receive. I'm sure that that letter did bring joy to the son. It reminded him of his father who passed away. But he knew that his father was thinking about him, that his father loved him. Totally unexpected. He never even knew it was coming. If it had arrived on time, it would have been meaningful. It would have been encouraging. But coming on after so many years later, the emotions increased. Joy can be that way, whether we know it's coming or not, whether we've been given hope for its arrival or not. When we started talking about Advent, we talked about hope, the people of Israel longing for a Messiah, longing for things to be made right, for their nation to be rescued, for God's redemption plan to continue. Thousands of years, that's a long wait. Some of the Israelites certainly had given up hope by that point. They thought, maybe we misread those letters. Maybe they really weren't from God. Maybe God forgot about us. Some of them got distracted with life. Thousands of years, this was. It wasn't like it was just a few months ago. But others held out in hope. Their waiting was active. They continued to pray, they continued to look to the sky. They continued to look for the signs when this Messiah would be coming. Hope stays alive. And joy is similar to that. Even if we don't feel joy right now, we can anticipate the coming of joy to the world in the gift of Jesus Christ. We can move from our discouragement, from oblivion, into an experience of life-giving joy. The shepherds in the Christmas story are a great example. The angels showed up and they delivered a message to the shepherds on a hillside outside of Bethlehem. Their initial response was not joy. They were terrified. They saw angelic beings lighting up the sky and they had to be told to not be afraid. 
Luke 2, 10 to 11. These are familiar verses. The angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. The angel first addressed their fear and then helped them move beyond fear into receiving the message, to hearing it and understanding that here was finally the Messiah, the one Israel had been anticipating and waiting for so long. The Messiah has been born. By the end of the night, those shepherds got it. Luke said they returned glorifying and praising God for all that they had seen and heard. It was just as it had been told them. They found the baby, they found Mary and Joseph, and they rejoiced. As we walk through Advent, we know what's coming. We know that Jesus Christ, the long-awaited Messiah, has come. We have reason to celebrate. We have reason for joy. And every morning, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you should give thanks for your salvation and find joy in knowing that God has forgiven you. He's redeemed you. But we also know that there's even more to come with Christ's return to complete his grand redemption plan, to make all things new in heaven and on earth. This is something we still anticipate, we still look forward to. But as we experience this Advent season, as we anticipate the arrival of joy, even when we're struggling with the realities of our day, we're called to lift up our eyes, lift up our focus from what's giving us grief right now, what's giving us pain and trouble right now, lifting them up from our temporary home to our final home. Paul told the Colossians in chapter 3, Seek the things that are above where Christ is. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are here on earth. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Part of this joy that we anticipate is recognizing that there's so much more in our relationship with Jesus Christ. It takes us so much further above what's going on right now because these pains, these trials, as real as they are, as hard as they are, they are temporary. And God reminds us of that. The second thing we're doing this morning is recognizing joy. Do you ever wonder why out of all the people in the world, it was wise men from the east were the only ones that recognized the star of Bethlehem. It wasn't hidden. It was a bright star in the sky for all the world to see. But most people, Jews and Gentiles alike, didn't recognize its meaning. These men who did found great joy in recognizing that there was a gift from heaven, that God was visiting the earth. Matthew 2.11 gives us a little glimpse into what was going on there. I'm sorry, Matthew 2.10 and 11. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their gifts, their treasures, they brought him gold, frankincense, 
and myrrh. These two were gifts of Christmas, but they came after the first day. I'm not going to go into all the theology of that, but the wise men came to a house. It tells us right here. They didn't come to the manger. They came later and they brought those gifts. But they experienced great joy. After all of those miles that they traveled, they found the Messiah and they worshipped this little king. They encountered hardships along the way. They had to deal with the deceptive tyrant Herod who they realized was actually trying to kill the baby. They ignored him. They didn't return to him. They even lost sight of the star for some time, but they knew what they were looking for, and they continued to follow on. They recognized that the arrival of joy for the whole world, and as they responded to that, they brought gifts in worship to Jesus. Sometimes it's hard for us to recognize joy in our lives, especially when it doesn't always look the way we expect it to. We expect joy to be something free of worry, free of hardship. But the Bible tells us that joy is found in the midst of and because of hard things. James, the brother of Jesus Christ, who went through Jesus' entire ministry as a skeptic, He questioned, how could this be the Messiah? This is my brother. After Christ died, after he rose again, he became a follower. He became a leader in the early church. Listen to what James said in chapter 1. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. There's definitely no hakuna matata going on here. But how much richer and deeper is the experience of joy when we recognize that God is changing us from the inside out? The experiences of our lives, the trials, the things that make us recognize I can't do this alone, God. I need you. I need other people in my life to encourage me. I need your word, the words of life. You're going to change me to become more like Jesus Christ. And these trials, I can instead of running away from them, see them and say, God, use this. Let me respond in a godly way. Let me recognize how I need to face this difficulty and how to show people that I'm relying on you, that I'm not running from you. Joy comes from those trials because they produce perseverance that makes us into the people that God has called us to be, like Jesus Christ. We can recognize and we can experience real joy even in the midst of those trials, not running from them, not pushing them down, pretending they don't exist, but saying, God, you've allowed this and I want to respond in the right way. Finally, this morning, we're called to choose joy. And this may be a little deceptive. It may sound just too easy. If you walk out of here today and say, Pastor Mark seemed like a nice guy, but he just told us to choose joy. Like that's going to fix everything. Sometimes, if we just close our eyes and we focus really hard, that maybe we can just conjure up some joy. Put on that fake plastic smile, and maybe it will fool everybody around us. 
That's not what God is calling us to. He's calling us to real joy. Joy that's a gift. It's a fruit of the Spirit. And it comes only from God. Do we have any Seinfeld fans out there? As I started thinking about Choose Joy, it made me immediately think of Serenity Now. Serenity Now! Come on, Jerry! Think of George Costanza's father, Frank, trying to deal with his blood pressure, and he just had to choose serenity, right? Even though everyone was driving him crazy, his wife, his kids, his neighbors, everybody, and he just said, serenity now. And of course, Frank gets beyond saying it to screaming it because it's not working. The power of positive thinking only works when we're thinking about God, when we're thinking about the one who really has the power to change us, the power to impact our lives. He's the omnipotent God, and he invites you to bring your struggles, to bring your trials to him and lay them at his feet, to trust him for them instead of trying to handle them yourself or into just saying a mantra enough so that you hopefully forget about it for a moment. We can't get stronger by just thinking strong thoughts. We have to pick up some weights and move them around. We can't get thin by just thinking thin. We have to choose to eat less and to expend more calories than we take in. That's the only way, scientifically, that it's going to work. We can't just concentrate harder and simply choose joy. When you have a family member, a loved one who's struggling at Christmas time, you can't say to them, can't you just put on a happy face? Well, you can say that, but you shouldn't. You should pray with them and encourage them to bring the problems to the Lord, to recognize that he cares about everything that's happening to us. We can choose to obey God we can choose to obey his word. We can choose to trust him. And when we do those things, our hearts begin to be transformed to truly experience his joy, to truly have this gift. So in closing, there are three things. First of all, choose gratitude. Give thanks. First Thessalonians 5 says, Rejoice always, pray continually, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Any of us that might say, what, what's God's will for my life? What should I be doing? Rejoice, pray, and give thanks in every circumstance. There's nothing that's happening you, to you today or in the past that God doesn't know about. doesn't mean God did those things to you. We live in a world that has been impacted by our sin, and the sin of all the people around us. So there are hard things that happen. There are bad things that happen. But God sees all of those things. And if we trust in him, he's going through those trials with us. He's not leaving us alone to face them. Choose gratitude. We just came from the Thanksgiving season. We sang the song, Count Your Many Blessings. Some of you may have gone around the table and asked people to share something they're thankful for. God calls us to do this regularly. If you're having 
trouble finding God's joy, if you're having trouble giving thanks, try saying out loud three things that you're thankful for. Or maybe writing down the names of some loved ones in your family or some friends that you're just so glad are part of your life. Choose gratitude. When we don't feel joyful, we would rather start complaining. We would rather start listing all the things that are wrong with us, with our friends, with our family, and the whole world around us. But if we start listing the things that are blessing us and start recognizing the joy in our lives, God starts to move through that. Give God thanks. Secondly, we choose to obey. The passage that Christy read for us from John 15 I have told you this so that my joy may be complete in you and your joy may be complete. What was he telling his disciples? What was the secret to joy? It was obedience. If you love me, you will obey my words. God's words, the Bible, is not a list of do's and don'ts to make our lives miserable. We don't follow a God who is trying to make us feel unworthy, to feel unloved, to feel like we can never do enough. We follow a God who has given us the directions for life so that we can glorify Him, so that we can recognize all that He's done in our lives. And in doing so, we show His love. We show His compassion to the world around us. Choosing to obey and joy comes from that. Just like gratitude, it's a practice it's a process of seeking to follow God's ways and putting them into action. We don't always get them right. Sometimes we take a step forward and then we fall back a step. But the more we align ourselves with God's word, the more we seek to live our lives the way he's encouraged us to live it, the way Jesus lived it as an example for us, we open ourselves up to experience those fruits of the Spirit, things like love and joy, things like patience and perseverance, things like compassion, all of the things that we want from other people in the world, God says, if you obey me, you're going to be showing them to the people around you. The more we choose to obey him, the more we encounter and receive his joy because we see the blessings that come from that. And finally, we choose to ob abide in him. John 15 the same chapter, just a little bit later, gives us the second secret to joy. Choosing to obey Him, but then choosing to abide in Him. And He gives us this beautiful picture of the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit abiding in each other. This is a mystery that we can't fully understand in our finite human minds. How can there be a Father, a Son, and a Holy Spirit? How can they all be God and yet they have different personalities. They perform different functions, but they're in perfect unity. That's what God's calling us to, to abide in Him, to find our life in Him, to find our sense of purpose, our joy in Him. It's not something that's immediate. It's not a quick satisfaction. It's waking up each morning and recognizing that I need to stay connected to God through prayer, through His Word, through his people. We experience God through the Holy Spirit in other believers. And that brings the gift of joy to our lives. This deep 
long-lasting joy will continue to elude you if you've never first accepted the gift of God's Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the perfect, sinless sacrifice, came to earth, Emmanuel, which means God with us. He suffered, he died on the cross, he made payment for your sins and for mine. But the story didn't stop there. Three days later, he rose from the grave, historically proven an empty tomb. No one had any explanation for how that happened, except that he appeared to his followers and then to 500 more. This is a historically provable event. Jesus Christ, who called himself the Messiah, who called himself God, really did rise from the dead. We can believe that as much as we can believe that George Washington was the first president of our country. But when he did that, he offered the gift of life to the entire world. He offered redemption, restoration of a fellowship with God that's broken by our sin. If you have never accepted that gift, it's the easiest thing and it's the hardest thing. It's so easy because Jesus said, come to me all you who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. It's the easiest thing because scripture says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. That's all there is to it. But it's the hardest thing because individually we have to humble ourselves and say, I can't do this on my own. And if you've been trying, hopefully you've realized that. You can't fix yourself. You can't solve the world's problems. You can't fix your family's problems. But there's a God who loves you and a God who calls you into a relationship with Him. A God who recognizes those hurts and those difficulties and who promises you hope, love, joy, peace. Not temporary, but everlasting. Please come talk to me after the service. We're going to have a lunch, so we have a lot of time. We can find a table and I'd be happy to talk instead of eat. You can eat and I'll talk. But if you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior, don't let this Advent season pass by without recognizing and accepting this most important gift. We also have a couple gifts for you. Uh, we have several Joy to the World Advent devotionals left. You can visit the welcome table for that. Uh, we have some Lifeway Kids devotionals on our website that you can go through with your family and just help your kids recognize the true meaning of Christmas. And then last week we, rec we introduced Right Now Media, which has all kinds of videos talking about every part of your life with some good scriptural um, encouragement. If you give us your email address, we'll send you an invitation. You don't have to be a member. This could be your first Sunday and you could just say, yeah, I'd like to check that out. Stop by the table out here called the Welcome Center and give us your email address and we'd be happy to do that. Mark is going to come as we prepare to sing our final song, but I'm also going to invite Len and Julie Szewski to come up. They are our newest members and this morning we're welcoming them into the fellowship of our church. Right after we sing, they're going to be up front, and we call this the right hand of fellowship. You take your right hand and you extend it and say, Welcome.
And you take your right hand, you extend it, and you can even give a hug and say thank you for joining us.